1: to this latest episode here up uh, the cherries in all departments of cherry picking remember we are on the talk sport fan network as well so you can listen to us on your chosen device so spotify apple music um google playlists or whatever it's called nowadays you can find us so um firstly to the right of me i have my main man matt harrison how you doing
2: matt Yeah, all good, Craig. Looking forward to uh, another weekend of football. Glad we've got a win under our belts Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the transfer window. And Hopefully, fingers crossed, follow up that Carabao Cup win against Swansea
1: with three points in the Premier League. That is the aim. And we do have a new member of the team just below me. We have Colin Byrne. How are you doing, Colin? I'm
3: good. Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Very much looking forward to... uh, Talking Everything AFCB. Very exciting time to be on with the transfer window closing tomorrow. But I will say, um, please excuse all the colourful animal <laughs> toy things around me. You can probably see what my life is at the moment. I'm currently sitting in my office slash baby room at the moment. So, but yes, very happy to be here. Mate. Thank you. Congratulations. My bags aren't too bad, so I'm doing all doing all right. <laughs> doing all right.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Colin, let's start off with um a couple of your favorite players so here we are well first of all let's let's learn
2: a little bit about colin exactly yes let's do that firstly i mean how, colin how long you've been following the cherries
3: um i've been a supporter since 1998 so how many years <laughs> yeah. is that now Wow, how many years is that? My master, twenty-five terrible. years. Wow, twenty-five years. There we go. So, uh, yeah, I went to my first game. I still remember my first game. At the old Dean Court in the South End. Stood behind the goal back when you could stand on the railings behind the goal. Oh yeah. Um, it was home to Cambridge United. Um, we won we didn't win we drew one all and I remember that season um because I remember getting home after the game and seeing on Meridian they were saying that Bournemouth are the draw specialists because I think we drew like the first 10 games of the season that year or something yeah. like that um so yeah I've been the fans since 98 um season ticket holder when we moved to the new Dean Court in 2001 um worked at the club for a little bit uh, about 10 years ago um and yeah been following the club for a long time, and uh, yeah, unhealthy obsession with uh, the club, even more so over recent years, of all the exciting stuff that's going on. And just uh, as a little side note, I don't know if you guys are the same, but I'm just pretty obsessed with Twitter or X, whatever it's called now at the moment, just constantly refreshing the AFCB hashtag. For anything transfer related. It's actually an actually unhealthy obsession when it comes to this point in the transfer windows and it's the last few days. Just you're constantly refreshing, trying to see any like new breaking news. Um so yeah, that pretty much sums up sums up my my life in Bournemouth. So yeah, being a fan for twenty five years and yeah, pretty much sums it up, I think.
1: To be honest, it's a lot more exciting than it used to be where, you know, we were scraping the barrel, trying to get players on the freeze. And um, now we've got a bit of money to spend. You know, it's like, who are we going to be linked to next? Isn't it really?
3: Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. I remember the most excited I've ever been for a transfer before we got all the money in the Premier League was when we signed Matt Tubbs from Crawley. I remember there was such a buzz about that. And I still remember on social media when it happened, like All the Crawley fans and all the external noises were saying, I can't believe he's going to Bournemouth in a few years' time. Crawley are going to be a much bigger club than Bournemouth. Now look where we are. Yeah. And I still remember he scored, at, I think it was against Notts County back in League 2 or League 1. He scored an absolute world, like one of his first goals for us, to make it one all. And then Notts County went straight up the other end and made it 2-1. That's one of my memories of Matt Tubbs. But yeah, yeah, so times have changed a lot since then with the players we're signing.
1: Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Although no, it wasn't the summer window, but um, you know, we we did. To be fair, going back in time, we did sign some exciting players throughout the years. Um, of course, another Matt Matt Ritchie. Um, that was that was um, in the winter, wasn't it? Um, was that January time? Um, oh, we signed him so. from Swindon Town.
2: Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, if I remember rightly, yeah, we were after Matt Ritchie for a long time.
3: That led to Decanio leaving, didn't it? That caused uh, his downfall at Swindon, if I remember rightly, because we went, yeah. I think the, the transfer went behind went behind his back and we snatched him away and he was outraged by it. So, yeah, that's, that's also a top-tier transfer from uh, years gone by.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, let's have a little look at um, your three all-time Bournemouth players. So let's start off with number one. And Steve Robson, Robinson, sorry, Robinson, <laughs> Robson, Robinson, <Yeah>, Robbo. <laughs> yeah. There we are, <laughs> Steve Robinson. Um Go on, take it away.
3: So this is more of a nostalgia thing for me. When I first started supporting the club back in '98, he was the um, our main goal rep. Mm-hmm. and I just remember like being like completely in awe by how, how good he was and all the goals he scored. So, And I'm looking at those pictures on the screen now. I, I, honestly, that's one of my all-time favourite kits, that middle green, green and black stripe kit. Yeah, Absolutely I love that one. I'd love to see that one back. Um, but yeah, he scored a lot of important goals for us. And I remember the first time I was genuinely devastated by a player leaving us was when he signed. I think he signed for Preston when he left us. Um, I can't remember how much he, he left for. And, I think
2: it was 25,000, I think.
3: Yeah. yeah. I remember I don't think his career really kicked on after that. I think it all went a bit downhill after he left us. But yeah, it's a bit of a nostalgia thing for for me. I mean, back in the day Steve Robinson, there was Mark Steen as well, obviously Big yeah. Fletch. Oh, back in the day. But Steve Robinson stands out because um because of all the goals he scored. And he had a chant as well. And I was trying to remember what his chant was. I don't know if Yeah, I yeah. oh, remember what was it was. Oh what was it? See, oh, I, I'm not even going to try and sing it because I'll probably completely butcher it, but he definitely had a chant which I used to really like when I was quite young back then as well
2: oh um, he did he did <laughs> he did oh my god what was it do you know what that was spinning in my head sometime during this podcast and we'll be talking yeah. about something completely different? And I'm just gonna start singing a Steve Robinson song, so do forgive
3: no, me. Um, no objections. To be fair, we do need some new songs to be fair at the at Dean Court. So you know, maybe we just bring that one back for old time's <laughs> sake for no for no reason.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Why not? Why not? <laughs> he did do quite well towards the end of his career at Luton. Um I know yeah,
3: yes, here. of course he went to Luton, didn't he? I, I remember I I think I remember, because I I, when you, were t- you asked me to name our top three players, I was trying to think back So my memories of Steve Robinson. But one memory that sticks in my head is when we were at the new ground, the new Dean Corp, must have been like 2001, 2002, I was thinking yeah. we were playing Preston, but it must have been playing Luton. Yeah, that's I remember really- Luton scoring. He didn't score it, but I remember him celebrating in front of us, in front of the North Stand back then, with the player when they'd scored and being absolutely heartbroken that he was celebrating scoring against us. So that's it. Was Luton, yeah. That's who it was. So yeah, I'd forgotten you. I think he, he spent a couple of years at Preston. Then, I'm not sure. I think he went to Luton, then back to Scotland. I think maybe might have that um, wrong.
1: I think he went to manage in Scotland, didn't he? For I think
2: he's hmm. is he still there?
3: I think um, he's Saint Mirren manager, isn't he? I think.
2: Uh, yeah, I think, I think he is. He was at. Um, where was he? Was he at Saint Mirren at one point? Yeah. Let me he, have a look. I um, think
3: he. He's at St Mirren now, I think. Oh, St yes, Mirren he is. Motherwell yeah. was it Motherwell? Yeah. Um, Motherwell.
2: I think it was Motherwell. Because
3: there's there's a there's a yeah, time where right. I, I think it was after um, Tindall left. I think when all the rumours were circulating about who could be our next manager, I'm pretty sure Steve Robinson was thrown into the mix at one point because he was Mother he was Motherwell manager or he was St Mirren manager at the time. Um, I'm not too sure how St Mirren are doing, to be fair. So.
2: Yeah, Scottish think... football was not my strong point. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just having a little look actually at St Mirren, and last season, um, he didn't do badly at all. Um, he is he is their manager. Um, they mm. finished sixth, so, mm. um, albeit with a stadium that is a fair bit smaller than Dean Court. So, um, mm. yeah, not doing too badly at all. But then again, it is a league with two heavyweights in it and nobody can get past
3: them really. So if you finish 6th you've pretty much finished 4th haven't you to be honest? Yeah pretty much. In the mini league so yeah. Pretty much
1: pretty much. (laughs) Well let's have a look at the next player and wow this man speaks for himself but go on take it away (laughs) Colin.
3: I mean, his new introduction, Mark Pew, absolute legend, was here for so long and I I still remember the season we signed him, another memory from years gone by. Um, he played for he was playing for Hereford. Yes. and he scored against us a few games before we signed him, I think. It was I think we were winning 2 0 and he scored I think I can't remember who was in goal back then, it might have been Shuan Jalau. But he, what the keeper came well out of his light, out his box, and lost the ball, and he just tapped it in. I remember him doing that, and then I thought, oh, he looks quite decent. And then we signed him a couple of weeks later, so uh, a couple of months later. So, uh, but yeah, Mark P, absolute legend. You know, never forget that goal he scored to get us in the Premier League back in 2015. You know, yeah. absolutely iconic. His uh, his Cruyff turn against West Ham in that first season in the Premier League. Never forget that, and against oh. Palace as well. Yeah. When he scored there, some absolute iconic goals, and just a really nice guy as well. um Obviously, I, I didn't know the guy, but when at the times I, I i did bump into him a few times around the local area, and he was always really friendly, really polite, and he's he's continued that to this day. I, I don't, I think he's like doing a lot of cooking stuff now, like healthy, yeah, the, health the food. That's it, yeah. So just a you know an absolute exemplary example of the perfect professional. Gave everything on the pitch. Gave everything for the club always gave 100% and just a really nice guy as well. And as I scored some really important goals. Yeah, Yeah. definitely.
1: And I don't think any Bournemouth fan will forget that goal against uh, Bolton Wanderers in that game um, that set us on our way. It was just well, it was just so well taken as well, wasn't it? Considering, you know, a lot of the, there was so much pressure as well, you know, on us before that match. And you know, he made it look easy made it look really easy um considering he'd been with the club for so long and taken us through the divisions um you know he'll be forever be an absolute legend at this football club
3: yeah yeah definitely i think when he when he scored that goal against Bolton obviously the commentary is now iconic with our rise isn't it that the commentary for that one yeah. um but when I think he did one of his trademark rove turns for that goal as well. If I remember rightly, and Uh, put it in top corner, hit the post and went in, I think. Yeah. Which was just, you know, yeah. It it sums up Mark Pugh. Yeah. Absolute legend. And uh, every single Bournemouth fan will agree absolute hero slash legend.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And let's have a look at the third one. And there he is. Well, Steve Fletcher. Well, let's be honest. Um, Steve Fletcher needs no introduction. But, Colin, take it away with some memories of Fletcher.
3: Oh, so many uh, the yeah, one I that I, the <laughs> yeah. main well obviously you know the goal against Grimsby to basically save us as a football club but the yeah. one that I think of um, is the the playoff final back in 2003 against Lincoln oh, yeah. and that absolute it wasn't is was that I don't know what sort of kick you'd call it like on the half fully turn um, and it was just I think it was like the first goal of the game mm-hmm. but it was 1-0 up I think it was and eased the nerves yeah. and this trademark celebration as well and it's just like You know, he's just absolute Mr Bournemouth, isn't he? He's got a job for life. It's just like, I think it was Leicester away last season or one of the games towards the end of the season last year. And, you know, all the players are clapping the away fans. You know, I think we just, we just beat Leicester and almost pretty much guaranteed our safety. And all the players and all the staff are clapping the away fans, but he just comes right up to the fans and just like proper, like bumping his chest and put his arms in the air and he, he just absolutely loves it he just absolutely loves the club he's one of <laughs> us and it's just amazing to see after all these years and you know it's good I, I see him around the town every now and then you know he's local got you know local now his, his whole family are down here and he's still I don't I think he's um player li- liaison officer now I believe yes yeah, so that's going to be the ideal is. role for him I think um and it's, it's weird, like when I speak to my dad about, because uh, my dad's obviously been following the club longer than me, he, um, he remembers when he was first signed for us. I think it was around 92 that we signed him, or yeah, a right. bit later than that. I think it was Tony Pulis who signed yeah, him. Yeah, that's um, probably, yeah. And my dad, he, he constantly reminds me of this, because obviously Fletcher's an absolute legend. But he, he, he tells me constantly, the first season he was with us, he was, apparently he was absolutely awful. Apparently he was like completely hounded by the fans because he just had a terrible touch and couldn't like, do anything. But then after that, after that first season, he was absolute quality. So he said you'd, you'd never believe back then that he had become a club legend and what he has become. Um, another memory, I remember he scored a great goal against Torquay back in the two. That's another one I remember, because that was oh. a last-minute goal of Wally in the corner right in front of the away fans. So there's just so many memories, all the goals he got for us, um, all the celebrations and, you know, he was... You know, not only is he missed the Bournemouth, as I, as I alluded to earlier, but a goal against Grimsby. Like, if, you know, he's pretty much one of the reasons that we actually survived as a football club, because if we yeah. lost that game and got relegated, who knows where we'd be now. So, you know, legend, you know, like Mark Pugh, obviously, absolute legend. He's got, he's got a job for life. And, I, you know, I think that must be one of the, um, when Iriola came in, I think one of the main stipulations, or when Parker came in as well, one of the stipulations must be, you can bring whoever you like in you can get rid of whoever you like you just can't get rid of big fletch he's he's here for life you can't get rid of him he has to have some role at this football club and yeah. that'll that'll be a case forever and actually looking at the pictures i'm just looking at the pictures on screen that is the goal from the uh playoff final there isn't it yeah and, yeah the one yeah. with yeah yeah yeah, his head.
2: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah It's quite interesting what he said because i interviewed him um about a couple of years ago now wasn't it matt um oh, and yeah. You know, he, he, he actually reflected back on that defeat in 1998 and then turned around and mentioned, of course, the win in 2003 against Lincoln City. And that was his real driver, was that he was so disappointed by 1998 that he was like, right, I need to put this right. I need to turn this round. And that goal, when it went in, you know just kind of lifted that for him as well mm, so yeah. you know yeah. he, he is an absolute legend at this football club um and like you say Colin I think you know when you say about that goal um I know Eddie Mitchell has said before oh well if you know it, we would have survived even if we did go down to the conference I don't think you know that is realistic considering the mess we was in, that Jeff Mostyn was trying to keep us afloat. Um, I think it was a case of if we had gone down, there was a real, real serious threat to this football club. Um, might not have happened straight away, but I think it would have been a long, long road back. Um, but luckily we didn't have that. And of course, Eddie turned it around and with big Fletch in the team as well.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, a club legend. I mean, what else can we what else can we say that we haven't already said about Fletcher? I mean, it, it, we should change this channel name to the Super Steve Fletcher Channel, shouldn't we? Because uh, he he always <laughs> pops up somewhere, doesn't he?
1: Well, exactly.
2: <laughs> he seems to appear on every single show. He
1: loves it, though. You know, I think he, believe it or not, um, on Twitter a little while back, you know, we didn't even mention him in the tweet. And he was just like, "Oh, cheers, lads! Cheers, lads! For mentioning me again, you know."
2: Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And we was like, "We didn't even mention you, Steve, you know." <laughs> How have <laughs> <we> you found out? <laughs> so yeah, Steve, if you're watching, you know, give us a thumbs up and let us know.
2: <laughs> there we go. So that's is... very quickly, just very quickly, right? Go on. Obviously, everything with Fletch we can't forget is that trick. Yes. Brentford on the 1st of January 2005. That's the whole match on DVD there. <laughs> Love it. Also, just want to go back to what Colin was saying about, was it the Cambridge game you remember being a 1-1 draw? Yes, score? yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. You
2: yeah. Did you remember the goal scorer?
3: <sighs> I don't, no. No, I'd have to go back and do some research on that. Probably Steve Robinson. <laughs> um, no. No, I'm not no. too sure.
2: If it's the one I think I remember, and this is a picture oh, wow. here against Cambridge <laughs> that just scores the equaliser after being one nil down which has actually been signed by both Carl and Steve.
3: Another kit I used to love amazing kit, that's amazing <laughs> you got all these things to hand just for any situation
2: yeah <laughs> yeah Craig's had the privilege of uh, coming into my um, office here and it is a, what would you describe it as? A treasure? I would say it's,
1: a, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a temple of AFC Bournemouth. You know?
3: it's, it's impressive from what I can see on the, uh, the camera. Oh
0: yeah, well, oh, just
3: yeah. A, a side just a note, sorry to go off the agenda, but I have all those shirts behind you. What's your favourite of the Bournemouth shirts there? Because I see it's quite a few from years gone by. What would be your pig is the best one?
2: He's put me on the on the on the. Uh, I know, I know what one I would say, but I'll let you. of just the ones I got behind me. Yeah, my, those four. My yeah, collection because yeah. it's my entire um, collection. we will be here four. for about three hours. <laughs> let's
3: let's <laughs> narrow it down to those four then and see but which one does you think. Well, I
2: would definitely rule the ninety four ninety five one out, mm. <laughs> and I would also rule the cabrini away
3: one
2: yeah between this one and that one but this shirt here i think i was 15 years old jermaine defoe wasn't it that one jermaine defoe that was the first shirt i really fell in love with that one
3: it is really nice that's yeah that season i'm gonna go with that one yeah, that that is you're spot on there. That is the Jermaine Defoe on loan season, isn't it? Where he got ten in yeah. a row. Yeah, yeah. yeah that um, that one just over your shoulder to your left shoulder. That one you're looking at. Yeah, that one. That one is a bit nostalgic for me because like, that was the kit when I first started supporting the yeah. club. But yeah, that one with the white stripes always very nice. Always yeah. lovely that one. Yeah,
2: yeah. Smash. Was
3: that also the, Was that so? I'm getting sidetracked here. Was that was that the season where we, we were at Dorchester before we moved to the new ground that season?
2: Yeah, the season after because the season okay. after um, the sponsor changed. It's still Seaward, but it was Seaward Voxel, I think, oh, okay. and the branding changed from Super League to TFG.
3: Oh,
2: but it was the same style kit.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, that's another, the, that, that's
2: the only difference. To, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, God, it's nice doing all this reminiscing. I must admit, you know me, yeah. Craig, I like reminiscing about the old times. I know. I know. <laughs> and that one on, over your
1: right hand sh- uh, shoulder, that is. No, it's left hand shoulder. Yeah,
3: right, I was left, getting confused right, with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that it's is,
1: like... yes, that is, of course, the auto windscreen shield uh, final yeah. kit. That That's one the there. auto windscreen yes. shield one, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
3: definitely.
1: Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. We could be there all day with the shirts, and we yeah. will do a shirt show eventually. We will
2: get around it's, it's to in, It's in the process. It's in it the is production. in the process. We will get it done. <laughs> Episode one has been recorded. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's sat there waiting to
1: go, isn't it? Um
3: Brilliant.
1: Well, Bill Foley was interviewed the other day, wasn't he, on what used to be BT Sport, now TNT Sports. Um, and what I'll do is I'll run through what he said, and then we'll have a little bit of a discussion about it. So... Here we are. Foley speaks, club owner and chairman, speaks to TNT before Spurs clash. So, when asked about Bournemouth, Bill began, I love it. I love Bournemouth and I really love being with this team. It's a dream of mine for years and years to be involved in the Premier League. Unfortunately, we have an oppor- had, sorry. we had an opportunity about a year ago or so, nine months ago. I'm having a great time. Asked why Bournemouth, Foley said, firstly, it was for sale. I was offered a number of opportunities with other teams at various times. But as always, a minority ownership, maybe 10, 20 or so, this was an exciting opportunity to buy 100% of the team with some of my partners. And so if a mistake was being made, it was on me. It's not on someone else oh i'm sorry and i can only complain to myself can't i when asked about the difference between ice hockey franchise and owning a football club foley said really they are just really they are very similar in many different ways the way you accommodate players and build a team um, in the premier League is different we have very strict rules we have had a hard sale recap million, you can't go above it. We also have different ways of acquiring players, it's very strict, there's no hijacking in the NHL, here you can keep on talking to players all the way through, and the agents so in that way it's very different. Asking any players have been hijacked under his leadership, Foley goes on to say, well Nicholas Jackson scored a goal last night of course we try to get him back this year um We had him last year and I believe we made a mistake. He didn't pass his medical, but actually he played much sooner than we thought he would. So I'm sorry we didn't get him. Asked if pre match entertainment in the NHL is transferable here in football, Foley said. We're not going to change what's already here in the Premier League. The traditions that people are used to seeing, but Las Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world. So if you ever have a chance to go to a game, we're entertaining and we're different. And then Peter Crouch asked Bill Foley how the fans differ between the two sports. Foley continued, Well, they aren't that different. If you don't win, then you've got a problem. But we've been sold out every night in the last, uh, six years we've been in existence. Our fans are crazy, crazy in terms of supporting the team, always with it. If we're four-two down 4-2, four they are still with the team, still with the game. I've got to motivate our fans here a bit more. We are going to do that by building a new stadium have more seats for people to come to games. That's the plan. First, we have to finish the training ground facilities. Once that's done, we can move out of the training facility here. We can start working on our new stadium. So probably two to three years off. And then Foley was asked about the sacking of Gary O'Neill. Foley explains, you know, we love Gary O'Neill. He kept us up. He did a great job. The technical staff and Neil Blake... Myself talked about this a number of different times. We thought if we were going to change the makeup of the scene, the way we play football, we may need a new person, a new person to lead us, and then become available. And it was really not something that was pre planned last November or last January. I honestly thought Gary O'Neill would be our coach today, and Donny became available in the middle of May, and I felt Like, I wanted to be a bit more aggressive on the pitch. I didn't want to miss the opportunity, but I do wish Gary O'Neill all the best. He's a good guy, and I like him, and I know he'll do well at Wolves. And then Peter Crouch asked about the qualities that Iriola brings to his side. Foley tells him, well, Andoni is a very aggressive player. Um, We are going to be pressing all the time. And that's one of the things we have been doing during the transfer window is trying to develop a players that can play in Andoni's style. And I believe we've done that. Some of them are hurt right now. So in ice hockey, we are an aggressive hockey team. We obviously won the Stanley Cup and we did it by having a good defense, but also having offence, a lot of offense. Um, and I think you will um, see a difference today in our team and it will keep on changing as we evolve this year. But I'm happy, I'm happy that O'Andoni is our man, and as, as I said, if there's a mistake being made, it's on me. So, what is our thoughts on Bill's interview? Um, who wants to go first with this? Um, uh, Colin? You can go, you I can go
3: first, yeah. Yeah, yeah go it, for it, but, Colin. Um, well, well, firstly, I just just love Bill. Uncle Bill, just great, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, I know this has been said so many times since he came in. It's just so refreshing to have this open dialogue with him. He's so open and honest about his ways of thinking. Like, he hasn't shied away. Like, people have asked him the question about, you know, sacking Gary O'Neill, and he's not shied away from it. He's addressed it head on. Um, he's answered the question. I mean, that the fact he brought up at Nicholas Jackson is really interesting because, you know, he had no need to really mention a name at all, but he, he went to the specifics there. So, it's good that there's an open dialogue and it's the same with Jim Ferroda as well yeah. on, um, on Twitter and social media. Like these, these guys are very open with the fans and they're very transparent about their ways of thinking. Obviously there's some, there's some things that have happened recently that have got a few fans a bit upset about it, but in terms of what he's saying, he's saying all the right things. He's, he's saying all the right notes um, I mean, most of what he said in that interview is pretty much stuff we already knew. To be honest, about you know the training ground and the stadium, a couple two, three years off. It's interesting to know if he he meant that the building of it's two or three years off, or whether he envisions it being open in about three. Uh, there being a new ground in three years, which probably would be a push. Mm-hmm. So I imagine he probably means building will start. Though I saw this is social media again. I haven't verified yes. this, but he did say in a, apparently in another interview that potentially the end of next year they'd be looking to start building or at least have plans submitted for a new stadium so you know every time he speaks everyone gets a little bit more excited by what he says so yeah it was a great interview i i really like the open the honesty of him and he's explained why he he made the decision well they collectively made the decision to part ways with gary o'neill which will make sense um yeah it's just it's great and i don't know why where this came from but i I always refer to him as uncle bill I don't know whether anyone else is, is yeah. saying Uncle Bill or if it's just me, but I swear like other people on Twitter are saying Uncle Bill as well. I don't yeah. know where it's come from. It just seems to fit calling him Uncle Bill. Um, obviously, you know, just to look to the past, you know, Max, obviously what he did for us, amazing. Just a completely different style of ownership um, with these, these two guys, but um, I like what they're doing. I like the changes they've made to the ground. I like how they're being proactive in trying to you know, progress the club off the pitch and on the pitch, you know, supporting with player transfers and the mm-hmm. training facility and the stadium. Um, I mean, I, I, we'll probably get on to some of the other things that have been changed recently, which potentially haven't gone down so well. But yeah, it was a great interview. And I think pretty much everyone in the media who watched it, because you know, eyeballs were on it because we we're playing on TV and Spurs. I think a lot of other supporters who don't support our club have now seen oh this guy actually means business knows what he's talking about and just one final final point on it it's he's done his research as well because he's come into this a sport that he's potentially had no understanding of but he talks as if he's always been following football it's it's really is quite i mean he might have people doing the research for him but it's really good that he always has an answer to questions. He knows his stuff. He understands the division. He understands the clubs. He even made a reference in an interview earlier in the year that he'd like us to do similar to what Brighton have done, you know, in a few years' time, try and get to Europa in two, three years' time, which shows that he knows what's going on. He's not just like somebody who's pumping money in and letting other people do the work. He actually knows his stuff and wants to understand and wants it to work. So, yes. To sum up... I'm, very happy that interview is a very good interview yeah completely
1: agree um in fact that interview was i believe on talk sport wasn't it um it was an interview where i actually spoke afterwards and it, in fact it is on the channel as well so if anybody wants to listen to that they can scroll back because talk sport did give us the rights to actually use that but um i think you know it's exciting times for the football club i think um, now the training ground, you know, we'll, is being built. Hopefully, we'll get up to category one, be able to actually build on, you know, on on the new, old training ground. Also attract the decent talent that is in the area. So effectively, you know, a lot of players years ago used to go to Southampton as they were category one you know, if we can get ourselves to up to category one, you know, we'll be able to attract the very best talent out there. They won't want to leave. Um, They'll have the best coaches. I think, you know, it's about 2.5 million a year that would have to be shelled into it. But, you know, it's exciting times. And this new stadium, um, as much as I'd love to stay at the current Dean Court, you know, moving literally yards away isn't as bad as, you know, moving out of town or moving into somewhere that's, you know, not accessible to get to. Um, I guess it's one of those things where we can't really expand the current grounds, regardless of what Eddie Mitchell said, you know, they probably looked at this and thought, right, okay, maybe we could expand, you know, the current Dean Court, add some more seats on, but at the same time, what, what are we going to do if we sell out that ground? You know, with a new ground, it's easier to put a tier on top, you know, and it's a bit like a Lego set, really, isn't it? Where, you know, you can take, lift the lid off it, put another tier on if you wanted to. So it's exciting times. I think Bill's here for the long term. He is 77 years old, keep in mind, but I think he's here to build a legacy for this football club and then sell it on, you know, eventually for a lot more than what he paid for it
3: yeah yeah Yeah. i agree just a a note on the stadium obviously i think it it, from what he's the things he's been saying i think it is likely it probably will be in king's park where we stay we'll just move it over so where the south stand is that'll probably be where the north stand is in terms of pitch layout but i think the main thing to consider as well on that is the infrastructure as well getting in and out of king's park because it's it's without you know 12 well 11 Half thousand capacity, it's already quite difficult to get in and out of the ground on a match day. So I think yeah. it's going to be a wider project with the council. Um, staging more well and good, but there has to be more ways or easier access in and out of the um, uh, Kings Park. But you know, as we said, I'm sure. They're all, they're planning this behind the scenes. They know they need to do that. They're not silly. Yeah. They've done their research. So yeah, it's very exciting times. And I know next yeah, well, this time next year they're planning the training facilities to be to be complete. I think autumn next year, isn't it? So Yeah. Yes. It's gonna be an exciting. Well, it's already an exciting time. Could be even more exciting this time next year.
0: Yeah,
2: no, definitely. I mean that interview for me, I mean I mean, just every time you hear him speak, it it see it says out sends a message to me saying that the clubs are good hands and it's in the right hands. Um, obviously with, you know, previous ownerships over the years and, and stuff, you know, the troubles we've had over the years. And now, you know, uh, you know, the likes of, you know, Eddie Mitchell come in, stabilised it, took it as far as he could. Max come in, took it to a whole different level to the point where someone like Bill Foley can come in and obviously do what he's doing. And I just think everything he says, like like kind of what you said, Colin, it just excites you every time he says a word. It excites you, and um, I think that you know the stadium. You know, for me, wouldn't be surprised if it is done in three years' time because I know they're they're doing a lot of work with the council. The council are meant to be playing ball, um, but um, like you say, Colin, it's 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 the infrastructure around around King's Park that's going to be the, the the tricky bit. Um, but yeah, what a guy! Well guy. Mm-hmm. But what else can you say about him? Um mm. and look what he's spent in the transfer window. Look what the club's actually done. I mean, you know, it over a hundred million at, at at time of recording. And, you know, twenty years ago we couldn't find a hundred grand for a player, let alone, you know, a hundred million. So it just proves, you know, how, how far that you know the club's gone and, and what kind of power that you know, Bill Foley has in, in the transfer market. But the good thing is as well, Matt is he's not spent that
1: hundred million on, you know, one player or two players and, you know, thrown money about willy nilly. He's actually gone and invested in the future as well. So the likes of Alex Scott, um, Tyler Adams, um, Max Aaron's, Kirk es. you're looking at all these players even Cliver, you could say all of these players will be great for the future. They'll probably have a lot of sell-on potential. Don't get me wrong, you know, we, we, can, we, we can't turn around and say, okay, if Clivert does really, really well and say, for example, Manchester City want to sign him or Man United want to sign him and then throw 80 million in our direction or something like that, you can't expect Bill Foley to turn around and say, no, no, we're keeping him. We don't want your 8 million. I think what will happen is that we will effectively go through a bit of a stage where we are a little bit of feeder club for, you know, but we are then replacing that player with somebody else who a is not breaking the bank, but B is got a lot of potential. And that's what Brighton have done is they've bought in uh, a and um, Alexis McAllister, all these players, you know, the list goes on, bought in these players um, for literally next to nothing and then sold them on for a lot, lot more. And that's their business model. And I think that's the business model that Bill Foley is going to aim for. um, Probably with a bit of a mix of the Brentford business model as well, which is a little bit different. Um, But it's exciting times. And I think you know, everything he says makes perfect sense.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Mm. But while, while we're on the subject of uh, money and transfers and comings and goings, should we take a look at what potentially could be going on or what's going on and, in this wonderful world of the transfer window?
1: Yeah, why not? Why not? Let's have a little look, because there is a lot of rumours bounding around on Twitter, or X as we call it. What do you call it, Colin? Do you still call it Twitter X? I don't even know.
3: I still call it it Twitter. X just sounds silly to me. It's Twitter, tweeting.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Let's have a look at some of the players that are being mentioned. So it is fast approaching. Um, Mark McAdam is going to be very, very busy over the next 24 hours, Um, probably 48 hours, actually. So let's have a look at the players that are being rumoured. So Jamal Lowe, um, of course, current player. Um, he is being linked with a whole host of clubs, um, so QPR, Hibs, Portsmouth. Um, Mark McAdam says that Norwich are ahead in the race um, to sign him. Sheffield Wednesday are said to be entering negotiations. And to be honest, um, if Mark McAdam says Norwich, you know that is probably quite a good person. Oh, well, Mark McAdam is always quite reliable, um, mm. but. I think that's probably the best move for him as well.
3: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Think, I would Jack, think I would Jack Stacey at Norwich?
2: Yeah, Norwich yeah. would be a good move. I mean, I think any of the clubs there, in fairness for him, would be a good move. Because, um, I mean, he just needs to be playing football, doesn't he? Um, mm. When I saw him play for the development squad at Pool Town um, during the summer, and um, as soon as you know, you saw him with the development squad, you knew that he was going to be part of the first team plan. So, I mean, for him as a footballer, you know, it is crucial he gets a move. And I think any of the clubs there um, would be ideal. Obviously Pompey, you know, being League One, you know, I'm sure he'll want to keep his standard probably championship and, you know, Scottish Premier, you know, if if any of the Hibernian rumours are true. But um, like we say, you know, Mark McAdams normally spot on and, I think Norwich would be a, a great club for him to go to because um, obviously they got probably more potential than Sheffield Wednesday and, and Queen's Park Rangers of probably getting promoted. So he might be able to have another crack at the Premier. So, um...
1: Of course, he has got affiliation, though, with Portsmouth. That's the only thing that makes me yeah. wonder why he might go back there because, you know, he did play for a long, long period of
2: time with them. Um,
1: was that when they were in League Two? The yeah I think he to part one, one, wasn't
2: he? yeah I think he was part of their promotion when inside um yeah. i I don't know I just think he you know he's he's i know he was on loan at q p r last season but i i think probably from his you know sort of way of thinking he's he's probably looking at the championship um I can't see him dropping any lower.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think the championship is. I think mean, there's quite a lot of. Obviously, there's the clubs listed here, but I'm sure there's a lot more clubs interested in keeping. I heard yes from as
2: well. I'd heard yeah. yes from. I mean, that'd be another good club for him to go to. Mm. Um, is, there, is there any other ones you know of, Colin?
3: I think they're the main ones. I mean, looking at those clubs, I mean, I saw a rumor earlier today on X or Twitter about um, him, about Hibernian, um, as, as you've listed there. And I, I you know, Sorry to anyone who's a Scottish football fan, but I think that would be too much of a drop to go to Hibernian because if we played them in pre season yeah. and they, um, oh, I think it was in the Europa Conference qualifier, they they lost to someone or something like that and they look really is poor. 5 0 to Villa. Oh, sorry. Yes, it's course it is. It's Villa. Yeah, I think they're playing right now, aren't they, in the it's, second leg? It's
2: Lee Johnson's yeah. manager, wasn't he? He's been sacked. Yes, there, he's been sacked yeah. as well, aren't
3: they? I watched that pre I didn't go, I watched it on the stream, that pre-season game, and they look really poor, they're burning a really yeah. poor side, so I think the Championship is where he'd want to go, and as as you correctly said, out of all those clubs, I think the, the best project there is Norwich, they look like they're on their way up, they've had a good start to the season, they made some good signings, QPR, um, from what you're seeing, they're a, bit, a little bit of a mess at the moment, under um, Ainsworth there at the moment, uh, Sheffield Wednesday I don't think they've won a game so far this season. No, um, they so yeah I think Norwich would be that that'd be a good place for him to go and I think he's one of those players who right what's the saying like he joins at the wrong time I think any other time he would have been you know much more present in our in on the team sheet but um yeah I would say out of those I can't see him dropping to league one I understand about the affiliation with Portsmouth. But I think Norwich would be the best place. And I think looking at the rumours and the rumblings online and from what we're hearing from the the reporters in the know, I think it's almost like guaranteed he will be going somewhere before the uh, deadline closes tomorrow. The other two teams that
1: are, um, are listed on there at the moment, and it is fairly new news, um, is, of course, West Brom, which was mentioned, and also Stoke City has been mentioned as well. From a feeder club
3: for Stoke City, taking all our players. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. They've already got Ben Pearson. They've got Mark but Travellers on loan.
3: We might as well just stay here then so we can play for Stoke when we have him in the Cup, in the Carabao Cup at the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, yeah, Stoke, I mean, Stokes, I mean, all those are quite exciting. I mean, West Brom, you know, Georgia, yeah. club, traditionally Stoke have, have had a good start to the season. They've made some good signings as well. So Stoke or Norwich out of those two, I think, would be the best place for him.
1: I think, you know, if, if I was Jamal Lowe, just looking at this, um, I would probably stick with what we've already said, um, which is Norwich. I think Norwich look very, very good. I believe... Are they in second place, aren't they, in the Championship at the moment? I know it's early days, but...
3: Towards the top, yeah. I think they probably probably are, yeah. They've had a good start to the season.
1: I think they're going to be very good, and they're really going to push for Premier League football. The other thing, though, you might want to think about is, okay, if I get back to the Premier League, who are Norwich going to sign... Will I get my game in the Premier League? Will I be able to get a chance? It's like that never-ending revolving door, isn't it? it I think Macondes has experienced that a bit, hasn't
2: he? Yeah, but I think you've got to take the risk. I mean, yeah. you only get one playing career, and, and if it doesn't work out, you can always drop down again. So for me, I mean, Norwich, I think. Yeah. Because then, you know, if they do sign somebody and the same situation happens to him again, where he becomes... You know, like last season, a bit part player, then shipped out on loan, then so be it. But I think, you know, you've got to. I think, for, from his perspective, you've got to try and grab that chance of success again if it lands on your on your doorstep. So, um, yeah, I I reckon, like like Colin says, Norwich or Stoke City sounds like a good project. Um, so yeah, I, that I would say probably one of those two clubs, but I'd probably edge. More towards Norwich. Well, let's have a look at the next player.
1: And Kiefer Moore has also been linked away from the club. Um, so he's been linked with a move back to Cardiff or Sheffield United. Now, um, the Cardiff uh, Cardiff have admitted a deal appears to be difficult to complete. Now, this is an interesting one. Personally, if I was Kiefer, I would go to Sheffield United. Well, um, again, does he really want to sit on the bench? You know, if he goes to Cardiff, he probably is going to start majority of the games. He's going to be a big target man. Um, they used to play to his strengths. Of course, they had Warnock there um, at one point um, and kind of stayed in that sort of... Uh, Sort of style for quite some period of time. It went off the boil there, nearly got relegated into League One. But.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: What do you guys think? Should Kiefer go to Sheffield United or Cardiff
2: City? I think he's probably played his last game for us, though. So. Mm the most important thing for me is, is if this guy goes out the door we've got to bring somebody in I mean that's Agreed. the first thing um, now you know I mean I don't know Colin's thoughts are on Kiefer but I'm sure he'll tell us in a second but you full well know Craig that I've always said if if we have Kiefer as a plan B and we play to his strength he would have scored some more goals for us definitely um, yeah. but My major worry is here is that if he doesn't form any part of um, Iriola's plans, which we'll have a look at next, um, who are we bringing in? Because at Mm -hmm. the moment, the side, you know, individually are playing well. You can see what Iriola's trying to, you know, implement. You know, he's trying to get his philosophy across. It's going to take a little bit of time. Obviously, we've got players still to come back into the fold that are injured, but... From watching the Spurs game um, and watching um, <sighs> parts of the Liverpool game. Yeah. Where are goals coming from? Mm. Just what I mean. And Yeah. This, you know, I know he's not scoring bag loads of goals for us, but if we're letting this player go, surely there's got to be option to bring someone in. The other thing as well with Keeper
1: Moore is he offers something different
0: yeah Mm.
1: yeah
3: it's such a difficult one with Kiefer Moore I don't know I don't know what how I feel about Kiefer Moore to be honest with you do I love him or hate him I don't know um I think he would only be allowed to leave I mean um Androni's come out with an interview I saw recently where he's saying that he's part of his plans and you'd only leave if we got a replacement in so I think unless Obviously, they're doing work behind the scenes at the club. Unless they're they're definitely certain they can get one over the line, a striker to replace him, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. But if he does go, um, I mean, looking at those Cardiff or Sheffield United, I mean, obviously, Sheffield United are, from from the signings they're making, it looks to me like they're sort of preparing for relegation back to the championship. So, potentially, that's what their mindset is with getting him in because i think as you alluded to I, I don't think he would start for sheffield united to be with you in the premier league um it's a difficult one I, you know he scored so a lot of important goals and i'll rise up to the premier league and he scored some important goals last year actually the early part of last year but as you said as well about playing to his strengths it just feels like we've not played to his strengths for a very long time when we had O'Neill, um, when there would be times when O'Neill would put on Keith we're chasing a game, but then Kiefer, he, Kiefer's he running into the channels to get the ball. You don't want him running into channels, you want uh, him in the box to yes. cross it in. It's yes. ridiculous. Like in fair play, he, he gives everything when he when he comes on. You know, he's running for everything, he's chasing everything down. He always gives 100%. percent And I I'm the mindset that if we can play to his strength, this say if he doesn't go, say if he stays after the window closes. If Andoni can play to his strengths by and I, I do think the way Andoni wants to play, we would play to his strengths because we've got the, the wingers who want to cross balls in the box, which is ideal for what Kiefer wants. Um, but even the first three games of this season when we were chasing an equalizer against West Ham and obviously against Liverpool and Tottenham, I've just not seen that to be honest with you, in the way no. we've played. And that might be because we've not we've not been able to properly implement the style. Because we've got so many injuries at the moment, but I mean, if he, he if he does stay, I wouldn't be completely devastated by it because I think there potentially is a part for him to play as long as we play to his strengths. But also, if he does go, I would hope, and I'm sure this is the case, we would have a, a replacement for him. Because if he goes, we are very light in attacking options already like an attack to be honest mm. with you even more so about kiefer um but yeah it's a debate that's raging on online you know some people love him some people hate him some people can't wait for him to go some people you know can't don't want him to go but yeah it's i think he's going to be one of the main discussion points over the next 24 hours online and all the rumors it's gonna be very interesting i think there's a lot of people waiting on us to make a decision. Because I think as soon as we find a replacement or we go ahead and try and get another attacking option in, I think there'll be a lot of clubs who'll be jumping in to try and get him in the championship.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And I think, you know, against Lorien, I think, I felt felt Iriola found something different out of him. He was kind of dropping back a little bit and, you know, make it. But then again, He's not – he's a little bit of a target, man, um, and that's not the way we're wanting to play. You know, yes, when chasing games, you know, throw the ball into the box and trying to get Keeper Moore's head on it, you know, is – well, it's a different tactical together. However, I would say that, you know, I've got so many fond memories of Keeper Moore, especially after that goal against uh, Notland Forest in that Mm. big big decider you know it was just well well to be honest Phil Billing and um you know Kiefer just teed that that was straight off the training ground and full credit to them and probably we've got to give credit to Scott Parker for that as well um but personally I think his game time is going to be limited here to the odd cameo and that's probably not what he wants and like andoni areola said here as well he, even though he's backed the player he's put no right now we have three forwards with the option of justin Kleiber. so we're happy with dom kiefer and ant i think we have different options you never know what could happen last day as the market but we're not especially looking at this movement asked if he Expects more to stay at the club. Iriola replied, Yes, right now, this is the situation we can never guarantee with any player. Sometimes circumstances change from one hour to another, but the time right, uh, but this right now is the situation. He added, I wouldn't talk about specific names, it is about what the market gives you right now in the last days. If the club sees that there's a chance to sign a player who can help us, but now. Is not, what the, is not that we need um, specifically one position. It's more we can improve the team or we cannot. We need to take these decisions. And personally, I think even though he's back, the player, I think he's basically turned around because let's be fair, Semenyo and Solanke appear to be up the pegging order. I'm sure Justin Kluivert would be as well. So... Maybe it's fair on Keeper Moore to let him go once the right player is found. Um, but I think we need attack, more attacking options anyway. And we need somebody who's a little bit prolific, who can do a little bit more work, um, not just somebody who's a bit of a target
2: man.
3: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's It's The problem is that's what every other club's wanting, is a prolific goalscorer. Yeah, How many so of them hard are hard That's the problem. Yeah. Exactly, and if if there are any, they ain't coming to, to clubs like Bournemouth, they're going to all the top elite clubs, you know. It's, they're it's, not
1: going to come cheap, are they?
3: And that as well, yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. Well, let's go on to the next part, which um, this cannot happen. Uh, no, no has like no <laughs> been gonna... linked with West Ham, <laughs> yeah. um, absolutely no.
3: no way. I mean, it'd have to be <laughs> how, many, how much do they get for Declan Rice 100 million? They can have something million. Like that. We'll take something and in... nothing less. Yeah, it's it's not going to happen. I, I saw that rumor where they called and inquired about his availability. I think we laughed it off and hung up on them. So, yeah, he's not going anywhere. No chance. No, absolutely
1: not. I think he would fit in at West Ham, but at the same time, you know, there is no way we can afford to lose Dom.
3: Um... It'd have to be crazy money. It'd have to be Saudi Arabia style money. For yeah. him to even consider letting him go, especially to a team like West Ham. I know West Ham have had a good start to the season, but potentially going to be you know a rival with us towards the middle lower part of the table.
1: And you know what, what you gotta think about as well is you know, Dom although he isn't a, again a prolific goal scorer, he does so much more work. And you know, if you take that sort of player out, I think Semenyo is probably quite similar. But you know, those two, if you can play them together, get them working together, you know, that could be the key to unlock this season. Um, mm. which I think is what Iriola is trying to do at this moment in time. It might just take a little bit of time to actually get get working. But um yeah, West Ham, fifty five million. No thanks. <laughs> um yeah. no, we 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 don't want West Ham's money. So let's move swiftly on. Mm. <laughs> um now this is interesting.
3: Hot off the press this one, this evening.
1: Yes. Hmm. Lloyd Kelly. Um, Spurs are looking at potentially launching a bid for Lloyd Kelly as they look to strengthen during the window after losing key players. Early sources say Eric Deere could come the other way. And you know what?
3: Dier? Lloyd, uh, Dier. Eric Dyer. Dyer. Oh, Dyer. Eric it Dyer. I can always yeah, I call didn't him To be fair, I'm I'm prime for mispronouncing names, so I'm yes, not yes. going um, to say anything. Um, right.
1: To be <laughs> honest, I was calling I Jibania Zabarini, know. so I made him Italian for a little while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but personally, um, I would snap this up. Now, sure. Lloyd Kelly you know, it comes under a lot of stick from our fans. And I think a lot of it is very unjustified. I think he does make mistakes. You know, let's be honest, Gary O'Neill did, you know, there's so many players throughout the years that made been made mistakes. Um, But, you know, I think the worst game he had for us was that Burnley game in the FA Cup last season. He was atrocious. You know, I, I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll turn around and say, well, you know, that's unfair. I think he was atrocious in that game. However, it's how you react from playing atrociously. If you react in the right way, which Lloyd Kelly did, you know, he did get lose to captaincy. Um, it meant he could focus more on his game, which I think was a great move from Gary O'Neill. I think you look at it that way, there's a lot, you know, that he deserves credit for. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but I'd mean, still cash in.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think is isn't he? Isn't his contract up at the end of the season? I
3: think it's next next summer, What's
2: isn't it next, it? next year,
3: I think. Yeah. I mean, I, we're yeah. Well that.
2: How much do you reckon? There is there any rumours with the with the actual transfer fee at all?
3: No, there's the, All we've had is this tweet from. I'm going to mispronounce this name. Oh, Fab. Fab. Fab If you're on Twitter or X, you know who Fab is. He's the the king of the transfer rumour. There was no mention of a fee on there, but it would be interesting to sit... I mean, we don't want another Lerma situation where we lose a player for free, especially if a team like Spurs is interested. So if he's not going to sign a new contract, this potentially could be the right time to cash in. But in terms of how much, that is that is one people are debating. I mean, I saw as part of the deal that they, as as we mentioned, they potentially would look at offering us Eric Dyer. So yeah. I don't know how what that effect that would have on the amount. But it's sort of like plucking numbers out of nowhere. It's really difficult to know how much they would give us for Lloyd Kelly. I
2: um, mean, I, I I personally think you're right there by saying you know probably time to cash in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've never. I mean, I, Craig would tell you, I, I've never been a fan of Kelly at centre back. Um, never been a fan of him there in that position. I've I felt that, you know, even during the championship season when we we, we were promoted, I felt that you know he made mistakes in in that position. Um, I think he's better as if, to play centre back. I think he needs to be part of a back three uh, mm, yeah. or. He needs to play uh, left-back for me. Whereas, you know, the situation with the striker, this is a different situation because we have got probably enough to cover losing this player. I I agree. Mm. Um, And I think if Mm. he's not going to sign a contract, like you said, Colin, I reckon... You know, and if we swap him for Eric Dyer, now I know Eric Dyer's come under a lot of scrutiny at Spurs, and, and, you know, obviously he's lost his England place as well, hasn't he? He's not been in the England squad for a while, has he? No. No, He had a good World
1: Cup in 2018, though, didn't
2: he? Yeah, he did. Now, is he a player that could come in and, you know, kind of be our (sighs) man that brings experience to the back four? Um, Quite possibly. Uh, But then he's a bit versatile as well. He can play in front of the defense. He can play in midfield. Mm. So he's a bit versatile as well in in that respect. So I think, to be honest, if they dangled Eric Dyer in front of us for Lloyd Kelly, I'd bite their hand off. To be quite honest, yeah, with no money, swapping hands just a swap, player swap. Mm. I
3: would like buy some money as well. Yeah, that's (laughs) kind of fair.
2: Ball's probably a little bit more in Bournemouth's court, isn't it? It's all right for them to want to dangle Eric Dyer, but then Bournemouth can turn around and say, Well, we still want 20 million.
3: I, I was just looking to see how much we signed Kelly for back in 2019. Oh, it was 13 million. 13, we got him yeah. From. yeah, so maybe, if we, I mean, 15 million would probably make sense. Well, and yeah, it's. I mean, I agree. I, I personally, I mean, there's been a lot of sniffy comments online about Eric Dyer. I would be very happy as a replacement for kelly as you said he brings that we've got a good um roster of players for that the back line but we, we're missing that person with a lot of experience in um top elite level football yeah and Eric guy yeah. would would you know fit the bill you know he, he's got experience um obviously spurs top team he's played on some really big managers he's played for england um, and as you say, he can play in the uh, defensive uh, midfield role as well. So mm-hmm. I would be all for it. And I still think back to the game last year at Dean Court when you know we uh, threw away the two 0 lead against Spurs, or we lost three two. And Eric Dyer was one of the subs that um, Conte made in that game, and he changed yeah. the game for Spurs. He did. Yeah. He yeah. brought a bit of calm to their back line, and he, he basically dictated that their play from that point on. So people seem to forget about that. And yeah, he, got, he, he, you know, people can have bad games or whatever. And obviously, he's playing for England, he's playing for Spurs, he's going to be in the spotlight more. But I'd be very happy with that. Um, it'd be sad to see Kelly go, you know. You know, I just the thing with Kelly for me, he's always prone to the mistake. Yeah, um, absolutely. the misplaced passes that's the one thing he's so for me, that's the thing that's so common with him. The misplaced passes just so. Much. Even when he played against um, Spurs on Saturday, he was there. Was a few moments where he was like God. he did okay against Spurs. I thought he was all right, but um, yeah. So you know, as we said, our contract. if We can get the right amount for him now, cash in, or swap the Overtor. I'll be happy with either of those options. To be honest with you, um, we've got we've got we're well covered in his positions, so I wouldn't be too upset about it.
1: Eric Dyer is 29 years old, so he's a little bit older, you
2: know, than Lloyd Kelly. Um, but
1: easily like still said, got
2: four years out of him at top level, isn't mm. yeah,
0: he?
1: Yeah, he probably doesn't fit the mould of what AFC Bournemouth are trying to do. But at the same time, that experience is sometimes really invaluable. Um, and I think...
2: You know, look you at see, the kind of effect Gary Kay here had when he came in. Exactly, Yeah. exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and Cahill for me, you know, I mean, I know he had the injury and and stuff like that, but I mean, he was fantastic that season. Um, You know, and I know he paired up with with Lloyd Kelly for most of that season, and and you know, in some respects, I kind of was hoping that you know Gary Cahill would rub off on on Kelly a bit, and, and you know, Kelly would learn from the experience, but. You know, I still see uh, them two playing together. I still wish Cookie was alongside Cahill, to be honest. Um, Obviously, that didn't happen, and and this is the situation we're in now. And, you know, if if Dyer was to come in, he could possibly play that Gary Cahill role where, you know, he is that... um, you know, that linchpin, that that experience that could sit in the back. I mean, even if he comes off the bench a lot, you know, you could be 2 nil up at home against, you know, a, a top six side and you chuck Dyer on just to shore up the midfield or shore up the defence a little bit. Yeah. So you can definitely, definitely play a role. I know what you're kind of saying, you know, does he fit the ball mould? But, you know, there is times when, you know, players like that will fit in pretty nicely. And, you know, remember,
1: there was always that famous uh, line from Alan Hansen years ago, you can't win anything with kids. And I know that was aimed at Manchester United, wasn't it? Um, But you look at their side, even then, and... (laughs) You know, they had experience in there. They had the likes of Gary Pallister, Brian yeah. McClare, uh, Dennis Irwin. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, I nearly said Steve Irwin there, but he was the <laughs> uh, crocodile hunter. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, to be honest, I think that might be something we are lacking a little bit. We've got Adam Smith, but really, apart from that, have we got much experience? We've got Neto. Yeah, Neto um, is
3: that is the only real... Experience we've got in that back line, isn't it? Exactly. And I think yeah.
1: Adam Smith's game time is going to be quite limited as well. So Eric Dyer yeah. would make sense because I think you always need that old head in that side on the pitch, not rather a, in goal.
3: It's the same conversation, I guess, with Keith Moore. But would, would Eric Dyer, I mean, the conversation we're having is that he wouldn't be a guaranteed first team starter. Is Would Eric Dyer want that? You know, and if he's yeah. 29, would he want to go somewhere where he is a you know, guaranteed to play. He, I don't know if he'd want to sit on the bench. So that's probably another part of this that's not really being discussed. You know, his yeah. decision on this, like he might think, no, I don't want to go sit on the bench at Bournemouth. i will rather sit on the bench at Tottenham. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, we'll see. But no, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna, that was going to be interesting over the next day. I mean, that came out of nowhere a couple of hours ago. That wasn't even like sort of rumoured, but you know, these things move fast and with only 24 hours to go, I think Kelly and Kiefer Moore are going to be the two major and also James Hill as well which we'll probably come on to as um, another place potentially could be on the way out but yeah I think those three players will probably be the main focal points and Jamal as oh, Jamal though as well it's yeah, quite a few players who actually could be leaving tomorrow yes. to so it could be a very busy busy day And because and Andoni's already said that we, he basically alludes to the fact we need people to leave before we can do any more business so well let's Starting. have a look at the
1: next player James. Uh, James hill yeah right so this is a blackburn trans uh, transfer to Blackburn on loan now I watched of course I was there um for you know the first home game of the season against West ham James hill come on and I was impressed
3: uh, yes I agree I was when he came on I remember if you remember this Craig but when he came on and yeah. uh, my boat my brother said his name. There was just sort of a silence around this ground, a bit like, oh, why is James Hill coming on? But no, he was—he did very well. Um, the last, if he's the last twenty minutes of the game, yeah, he yeah. came on. Yeah, I was, I was impressed. He was—you know—wasn't phased. He looked quite confident. So yeah, a move to Blackburn, you know, a big Championship club, a big club anyway, would be a great move for him. Obviously, he was at, um, was at Hearts last year, wasn't it? Yeah. He was yeah. There. And uh, it was weird because whenever players are on loan, I, I tend to check in every now and then with their, the team's um, fan base to see how players are doing. And when James Hill first signed for Hearts on loan, in his first few games, the fan, fans are all very singing. this praise, this saying he's a great signing. But then I checked in about a couple of months later and there was a bit of like... Um, a bit of unhappiness towards him because apparently there's been a bit of a clash with him and the fans at an away game where they've been chanting and he's, I don't know, responded to it or something and he had to put an apology out on social media. So yeah, I think Blackburn would definitely be a step up from Hearts for a loan move and I think it'd be great for his development. Um, I think it's sort of make or break for him really, With this, if he does sign for Blackburn, depending on how he does, could pretty much determine his future with us, or whether we sell him. Um, yeah. So it's important. This will be a very important one. So I think I, I know Blackburn's been mentioned, but I'm sure there's probably other clubs who are probably interested as well. Um, but yeah, I think this is, it'll be an important move. So if there are multiple teams who are looking at him, I think he needs to choose wisely as to which one to go to. And I mean, looking at the response from Blackburn fans on X, um, a lot of them were a bit underwhelmed by this. And we're sort of under the impression that he wouldn't be a guaranteed starter. He'd probably be like a second choice, which isn't really what we want if we're sending a player out on loan like James Hill.
1: What I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a suggestion into the bag here. And my suggestion is because I think he is good enough to break into the side eventually. I Mm. think, you know, he's got a lot of qualities. Um, You know, I think... I, I do. I think he'll start any games this season, probably not, but I think you know he could be in and around that squad. What I would suggest is you know, if Neil Blake and Richard Hughes are listening, well, they, to be honest, they probably won't listen to me anyway because uh, they know a bit more. But, <laughs> but I would actually let him go till Christmas to Blackburn, you know, see what's assess it, see what's happening. And then, you know, if he's taking Blackburn by storm, then maybe he he deserves his chance here. You know, maybe mm. he deserves his chance of running the first team. You don't know what sort of injuries we might have at that time. And James Hill might be really net needed. Um, so, personally, I would say a short-term loan move. You know, if everything's going absolutely fine and, you know, it, he's got no chance of breaking it into to the side, then, you know, you might as well let him stay at Blackburn for the season if they still want him there. But, you know, I think he's a very, very talented player and I think he'll do well
2: there. Yeah, yeah. He needs game time, doesn't he? That's the main thing for me. Hmm. Um, I'm like, you know, watching him during the um, pre-season, I think it was the Hibernian game. Was it the Hibernian game where he first played right back? Yeah. And was it that game or was it the other game? Hibernian. Yeah, it was Hibernian, anyway. I'm sure, yeah. Whichever one it was, and, and he's playing right back, and I thought, well, oh, that's interesting, out of position. And he put a very, very good account of himself. And when he come on against West Ham, he didn't look out of place in that position. So um, like you say, he's definitely got um a, a future at this football club, but I think in terms of development he does he does need game time so Blackburn good club um and maybe yeah like you say Craig maybe do a, a clause in it that we can recall him in January if we wish but you know if there's no room for him in the squad here then then he stays at Blackburn for the season hopefully gets game time but you know it depends and then, then like Colin said you know he's lined up to maybe be second choice and that's not something we really want you know if he's going out he needs to play games but um yeah. But yeah, that's cool. That's uh, that'd be a cool move if it worked out well for him. Let's have a look at the last one. And <laughs> AFC
1: Bournemouth are struggling to sign Patson Daka from Leicester City due to the high transfer fee demanded by the Foxes. Despite enjoying a good summer, Bournemouth still need an addition in the forward department. Leicester's tough stance on Dacca is justified, considering his contract situation and age. But they should um, consider lowering, the, but the, yeah, yeah, lowering their price tag and in the sell-on clause. instead said if the player wants to leave, do you know what? Don't want him. <laughs> I think we've all said that, haven't we?
3: Yeah, he runs fast, and that's about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot on Leicester socials, and um, my wife's got family in Leicester, and, and you know, people I've spoken to have all said. Please take him off our hands. So, um, <laughs> I'm, going say, I'm going to say a big, big no no to this one. Um, and That's if he great. does come in, I hope he proves me wrong. But I don't think he's going to, from what I've heard.
3: I think what, what what I've heard, well, I've heard what I've seen rumored is that where we would want a loan, whereas they want to sell him um, with an option to buy. Um, but I think they, what they're wanting is about 25 million, which 25. is ridiculous money crazy money not so
2: that I, many goals either so i mean no one's going to pay that money for him surely
3: i think i think they know that i think they're probably holding out outfield tomorrow and then they'll lower the price but it'd have to be under 10 i would say to even sort of think about it yeah 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 um, i
1: don't rate him at all
3: no i don't rate no. him
1: at all well let's hope that rumor is bullshit <laughs> 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 oh,
2: okay. <laughs> there we go. Movie swiftly on. <laughs> He's been itching, itching to get that in there. <laughs> yes, I was. I was. <laughs> so, um,
1: Iriola on transfer deadline day sign so, is Iriola told the Daily Echo. Uh, more or less, the situation continues the same as we talked about the other day. It will depend on the who leaves the club, so we have to be have to substitute. Um, then also the changes that appear in the market. Uh, normally, on the last on the last day, chances appear, and the club has been working on it. So, I think we'll be active. I think we'll be active. I'd be surprised if we don't bring anybody in. Um, I think something will happen. I don't think it's going to be a massive amount. I don't think we're going to sign four on transfer deadline day. It's not going to be ridiculous, but I think one, I think one in the right place Um, you know, maybe two might be possible, but I don't think it's going to be extravagant I think Mark McAdam, if he's going to be down at Dean Court um, tomorrow I think, you know, he might find it a little bit quiet um, at certain times so we shall see, but hopefully if Patson Dacca turns up um, he turns
2: right back round again should we we just um, before um, we move on um, going back to the Spurs game and that tackle that seemed to be a good tackle which now I've watched several times and think it's an absolutely terrible tackle (laughs) can we just see that again and and decide between us whether I'm completely mad and it's a good tackle or whether it's a good tackle uh, a bad tackle right let's Let's
1: roll the tape. And this is Colin's video.
2: Did he get the ball? Did he get the player first?
1: No, he chopped him down with
3: both of his <laughs> legs. You can hear my reaction. When I initially saw it in real time, I thought it was a really good tackle. I saw, it sort of went, oh, no. <laughs> but then watched it back afterwards on um, on TNT Sports, it does look a lot worse. And I, I, people have made the point after that tackle that Spurs went up the other end and Charleston had that chance, which he completely somehow didn't score. Um, people have made the point that if that was to have gone in, would VAR have had a look at it? So,
1: very interesting.
3: True. If they, potentially, they would have looked at it, maybe there would be an even bigger debate as to whether... It was a foul not, but I mean I'm look uh, it looks worse, but I think at the time I thought it wasn't. But looking back now, I think it probably was a foul.
1: Well, to be be honest, I was watching this game in India. So I sat watching it. Yes. Um and you know, initially I thought exactly the same. It's not a bad tackle because you saw it in real time, and then of course they replayed it, and I was like, mm, that's dodgy. Yeah. Um, what it were the have... commentators saying then, Craig? Or could you not understand them? I could understand them. Oh, okay. um, yeah, they did turn around and say, you know, it, he's taking the man, not the ball. Mm. Mm.
3: It's, it could have been. Re- I mean, forgetting that, it could have been really bad injury on Semenyo. To be honest with you, yeah. like if he landed badly on that, that could have been a season-ending injury. To be honest, um, it looks year, like. But. If you repeat it back and
1: after what we've seen now, yeah, the ball does, you know, he he does touch the ball eventually. However, he's taken the man first before the ball and that effectively is a booking. Mm. You know, what he's done there is at least a booking um, because he's got the man first, he's chopped the man down, got then, you know, touched the ball. You know, if he touched the ball first... And then brought the man down because it is a contact sport. There's not much, you know, in that. You know, we've seen that before. Um, but then again, we've seen penalties being given for all sorts. But personally, it's a bad tackle. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad glad yeah. we that because it's now making me. Yeah, because I've just been like I said, I've watched it on on, on Collins uh, Shorts on his YouTube channel, and mm. I keep watching, it thinking, no, that's got to be a foul. Yeah, be of a... course it is.
1: Of course it is because but... he's got the man before the ball.
3: Yeah, it was, it was definitely a foul, but I don't think it would have been a red card or anything like that. No, no,
1: no, no, definitely not. No, no not a red card. Yeah. But... I think mm. the intention's there to get the ball, but you know, at the end of the day, he's taking the man first. You know, if he got the ball first then that's a different thing altogether. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it is yeah. a contact sport, you know, I don't want it to be like where you, you make a tackle, you win the ball. If you, the man goes over you, you know, I want that to, you know, still play on regardless of who it's for, because, yeah. you know, even though yet yeah, that one might have been against us, you know, what happens if that's for us, that sort of yeah. opportunity. So, You've, you've got to take that with, I think, yeah, I think it was a foul. Um, but at the same time, you know, you've got to look at, the, I think referee referees have got a very difficult job at the moment, considering everything that's going on. There's already been a few mistakes already being made. Um, and I'm going to be controversial here, you know. Controversial. Like, you really see Alec- Alexis McAllister sending off,
0: against- soft.
1: yeah, it is soft, it is soft. Mm-hmm. And Virgil van Dyke the other day again, that was soft, that was soft.
2: Yeah, I know Virgil van Dyke lost his head, but I think it was in- more of the language he-, he said to the referee, wasn't it? The reason it was a red that's what well, i read recently. I don't know if that's right, I but I
3: think the descent he's had an extra. Um... I think the red card was the tackle, but then the challenge, but then the descent. he's now getting another punishment on top of it, oh, I think, tackled. after the fact, yeah. I think, like a fine or an extra ban or something like Which that.
1: I think or... it's stupid in a sense, because at the end of the day, years ago, you used to have the likes of Cantona, you used to have the
2: likes of Paul Lintz, who else did we have? It um... was totally different then, Craig, wasn't it? The game yeah, was...
1: Vinnie <laughs> Jones, players like that. You love those would... sort of
2: characters. Yeah, the last great. five minutes in this game now.
1: Oh no, Vinnie Jones will be sent off every single bloody game. Dennis Wise is another one. You know, oh, he, he'd be last. he might as well just sit in the bath because, he, great, you know, he's gonna going to be going back there after
2: five minutes. Great era of football. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it'll still um, be warm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can we, um,
2: have a look at a highlight because um, I was really happy with this this week that uh, this yes. guy has uh, finally got off the mark. Um yeah, so was I. What did we think of the, the game, the cup game this week? Um, I've got a few pointers, but um, what did you guys make of it? I think it was decent performance. I think, you know, at the same time,
1: I think we need to now take that into the Premier League. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no point in, you know, going, OK, we're through to the next round of the cup and then get beat by Brentford. We need to now go, right, okay, we're through to the next round of the Cup. Let's, you know, replicate and do all the right things in this next game. Because the league is our bread and butter. The Carabao Cup. um, In fact, I was watching something on TalkSport. um, And it was between Jason Cunday and uh, Spurs fan. And what Spurs fan was like... Do you know what? I'm not really bothered about being knocked out of the Carabao Cup. Jason Cundy was giving him a right rollicking for it. And in all honesty, I'm probably with the Spurs fan on this. That, you know, if, say, for example, we was to stay up but get knocked out early in the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup, I would take that because at the same time, you know, our bread and butter is staying in the Premier League. You know, or getting as far up as possible. Yeah, it would be nice to win a trophy. But at the same time, you know, it, all all it takes is, oh, you know, we're having a bit of a cup run. Oh,
2: we've drawn Manchester City. Cup run <laughs> probably gone. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I've got to say, I'm probably with um, Jason Cundy on this one. Are you? This is yeah, an so interesting you, debate, I'll this. Why, I'll tell you why. Go on. Because we're comparing two completely different clubs and two completely different positions. Now, from a Bournemouth perspective, you're absolutely right. But when you look at Cundy's argument, Spurs aren't going to get relegated, are they? Let's be honest. No. Right? Spurs, in terms of silverware, are massively underachieving. Are they going to win the Premier League? Probably not. So, in theory... I can see where Jason Cundy's coming from. But from a yeah. Bournemouth perspective, obviously the league has got to be the bread and butter. You're absolutely right.
3: Well, here's a question for you. If, if someone said, this season, you'll get to, let's say, the FA Cup final, mm-hmm. but you'll get relegated, would we take it? No. Uh, no. 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, I think about that one because I think... In our current where we are currently as a club, I think we would be strong enough to come straight back up if we were to do that. And oh, wouldn't it be nice just to just go to Wembley for a cup final? That'd be great, it'd
1: be amazing. <laughs>
3: um, and I think we could yeah, I think we'll be in a position to come straight back up, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting one though. I mean, most people just, ask, like just... you would say no.
2: So. It's just the thought of like having to go to Peterborough on a Tuesday night or, oh, or somewhere Preston. like that again, or Preston, or where we always I mean, lose, where oh. we always yeah lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like oh, you want to go through all that again? But I do yeah, see where mate. you're coming from, Colin. I mean, an mm. FA Cup final would be like you know out of this world. Um, amazing. It would be
3: um, unbelievable. Just just to go back to the game though, this game. Just to my thoughts, yeah. on it. I I didn't actually I didn't watch it, but I've. I've Follow what happened after the fact. And from what I've heard is that the first half, we were absolutely awful. Yeah. Um, then we made the changes at half time. We had to bring on Solanke, Kirkes, and um, Cook at time, yeah. which completely changed the game as a game of two halves. It's a bit concerning to me because when I, I saw the lineups um, when it's first announced and I thought, mm-hmm. that's a really strong line that we should be, you know, we should be easily comfortable. It was quite concerning that we sort of laboured in that first half. But it was good to see that Andoni did make the changes at halftime and it did work. But also potentially shone a bigger light on how our injury crisis is affecting us. Um, I mean, I, I didn't, I, as I said, I didn't watch the first half, but from every, all the comments I've said, from the comments on social media, apparently it, we were absolutely awful and could have been two or three down by halftime um and it's you know we shouldn't have to be bringing off like bring on in the second round of the carabao cup bringing on players like like dom or to to be a championship like a not even a decent championship club you know they're towards the bottom of the league so that was a little bit concerning but a win's a win at the end of the day and it's good to see that the changes were made to get that win yeah. um
2: yeah yeah
3: so, yeah i don't know if, if if you guys you know saw or you know or, you know, heard or listened on the radio to that first half and how it played out. Um, any thoughts on how he played in that first half? I, I think oh.
2: we were disappointing,
1: from what I understand. But hmm. um, you know, I think sure. Iriola's made the right decisions and turned it around.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's good that he's done that. Um, I mean, I had no qualm. I had no issues with the, ty- the team lineup in that first. you know, When I no. saw the lineup, I thought it was a good team, good strong team. Shows he's yeah. taking it seriously. Yeah, but being 1-0 good. down at half time not good. So, but... so
2: for me and I said this in the head-to-head that I did with um, Amy Clement uh, earlier on in the week that you know this game for me was all about a confidence boost mm. to get the win to you know get that confidence through the team that you know that they can win mm-hmm. um, I actually predicted a 3-0 win because yeah. Swansea um as Colin has touched on, are, you know, towards the bottom of of the championship at the minute. And with what Amy was saying about how the squad is and, you know, it made me feel that, you know, we should go up there with the calibre of player we've got. We should go out there and and win kind of convincingly. Obviously, Swansea were going to give you a game, but, you know, not walk all over them. But, you know, the first half performance was you would have thought Bournemouth were the side near the bottom of the championship. Do you know what I mean? Um, Mm. I mean, that's a worrying thing because like you say, Colin, you know, no, no issues with the lineup that was put out there. And and I had no issues with it. And looking at it, I thought, you know, pretty solid. We should, we should win it. And to turn out a performance like we did in that first half was not good. Really Mm, not good. But the plus side is, is that obviously, you know, Iriola made his changes and, a win's a win at the end of the day, no matter how many you concede, a yeah. win is a win. So I'm just personally hoping that we can, you know, take a bit of confidence into the game against Brentford. Um, <clears throat> on the head-to-head I did with the Brentford fan um, this week, uh, which is out on our channel now, um, I've actually predicted a 2-2 draw because I can't, back against us I just can't at the moment and and I think that you know we're always going to concede but at the same yeah. time you know I can see us scoring goals mm-hmm. um but the, I mean the highlight for me was this guy scoring um yeah this guy is such a talent and we haven't yeah. really been blessed with seeing a lot of him at the minute obviously he had his injury towards the end of last season he's kind of been on the bench the last few games um And I reckon if this guy can really turn it on, he he can really give us a lift, a
3: real lift. You can see how much it meant to him as well. He was absolutely ecstatic when he scored that goal. Because I think he scored twice before, but they're both offside, weren't they? Before he finally got his goal. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and I think, as you say, we've we've not really had a chance to properly see what he can do. He did come on against um, Spurs on Saturday and couldn't really get in the game. Obviously, that was always going to be tough against a team like Spurs. Um, So, yes, as you say, I hope he can kick on from here. Um, because I think he's going to be a, value par- a valuable part of the um, of our season,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so just quickly running through this, asked about Treoris' first goal for the club on his 10th appearance. Iriola said he also scored a disallowed goal, which yeah. was pretty close for the offside. Mm-hmm. After he scored the second one, which was valid, we we, we were not finding him in the first half. He had space in number 10 position bit after half time. I think the game was more open. The rhythm was higher and we could find him between the lines. And he also had time to arrive and try to, to try to score like he did. And I really, really rate, um, Treori. I think, you know, he's a great player, great youngster, great talent. Um, it's got great future at this football club, um, so yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, and of course, Stoke City in the next round. Um, that game, I believe, is it Octoberish time or end of September?
3: It is the last week of September. Last week, of September. but I think I saw that Stoke have got a game on the Sunday that week, so it could be on the Wednesday night. I'm not checking right. that though. So it'll be yeah, this week, commencing the 24th of September, something along those lines. Uh, nice. But,
2: um, Colin, you've just had some news, haven't you?
3: Yeah, I've just put in our chat here that it's just looking on Twitter because I'm constantly looking for any upbreaking transfer news, and we have some. Uh, it's been confirmed: AFC Bournemouth official uh, Twitter or X account have confirmed that James Hill has gone to Blackburn on loan. Well,
2: there we go. Excellent.
1: All confirmed. Is that for the season or
3: is that he... the short? All the best, James Hill. He's joined Blackburn Rovers on a season long loan.
1: Fair enough. That's Fair a great, enough. great
3: move for him, I think. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, I
1: think so. I think mm. so. I think, you know, this, it will, he'll be able to show really what he can do. I think he'll be an asset up there. Um, regardless of what the Blackburn fans think at this moment in time, they might be underwhelmed. You know, he hmm. isn't the big name that maybe they're hoping for. But at the same time, I'm sure he'll go up there and do his very, very best and show him what he's all about. Well, I think we better wrap it up there. Um, of course, we do have Brentford this weekend. Um, so do keep tuned. We will do be having our panel show after that game as well so that is the first of those um he's replacing the free-for-alls so the panel show will turn up um probably 8, around
2: about 8 p.m. 8 p.m on sunday
1: evening yes and it will be a live show as well yeah. so you can get involved but matt thank you again and thank you again colin um absolutely pleasure to have you on the channel and i'm sure we'll be doing some more cherry picking very soon
3: Thank you very much for having me. Enjoyed it.
1: Not a problem at all, mate. Not a problem at all. And you're welcome anytime you want. But until the next show, up the cherries and we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us.